Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Secret London Runs podcast. I'm Josh, your host, and I'm joined here by Vanessa, our CEO and founder. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Josh. Hi, everyone. And uh, and welcome to you, the listener. Uh, Whether you're a virtual attendee of our festival or whether you've been lucky enough to make it in person, I really hope you have a great time. The purpose of this podcast is to celebrate our inaugural Secret London Runs Festival, give a bit of background, uh, maybe some behind-the-scenes info, and... um, yeah, just celebrate uh, all the amazing times that we'll be having this weekend. Uh, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about how the festival came to be. Um, now, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, or probably even if you have been living under a rock, you will know that it's been a bit of a, a difficult time over the last uh, 18 months or so for everyone. And things like festivals just haven't been haven't been possible. So I think, Vanessa, I'm right in saying that your idea with the festival was to kind of mark the easing of restrictions with a bit of a, I guess, like a bit of a party to to celebrate being able to, to do things again and to, I, I guess, meet a lot of the, the people that have engaged with Secret London Runs during the lockdown and haven't been able to do the in-person events that, that, we, that we normally offer. Yeah, exactly. I guess um, I first had the idea of the festo actually, festival actually just before the lockdown and the reason for it was that lots of people come for, to our tours from all around the country and sometimes from outside of the country. And this was the case before lockdown. And sometimes they'd come, people would come and they'd say, what tours have you got on this end? And we, we're not in a situation where we have every theme of every tour. You know, we have about 12 different themes of tour Um you know, the gin tour, street art, sex and scandal, our LGBT tour, your craft beer tour, Josh. So we've got all of these different tours. And I think sometimes there's this expectation that we'll have them all on all the time, every weekend, and we're just not big enough to do that. So the my idea back then was, well, why don't we have a weekend where we do have loads of different tours on so that you can come to London and do do a few different activities with us. So that was my idea then. Then, of course, the last 18 months have occurred. And and actually, something really lovely happened in that this beautiful virtual community formed surrounding Secret London Runs. And so even more afterwards, I felt like, well, we've got all these people from all over the world that have been taking part in our events. And I must admit, I thought that um, I thought that the situation would be a bit better now and we'd even be able to have people from abroad come to join us. And obviously that's difficult. But um... well, I think you, you've touched on one of the lovely things about the last 18 months, and that is that uh, we, Secret London Runs has become a, a global community and we've been able to share what we do with, with people from all around the world. And I, I think that's been really lovely. And I think that's, it's really nice that that's carrying on into the festival and... You know, we've got people, I think, attending uh, in the USA, in Denmark. And I think it's great that, you know, not only are there lots of people having a great time sampling the tours in London, but there's also things on offer for people 
uh, from further afield or, or people that just can't make it. So, as I mentioned earlier, this festival wouldn't be happening if, uh, if, if Britain weren't uh, tentatively coming out of lockdown. So uh, I thought we could talk a little bit about our, our experiences with that. And obviously, as most of you will know, in the last month in, in England, um, restrictions have been completely removed. So you can now go out and uh, do things you weren't able to before. So people can um, go to festivals, gigs, football matches. Um, people can run races. Um, maybe some of you have, have been. And um, it's, it's just been quite an interesting time, hasn't it? We, we've certainly been doing a lot more than we have been doing in the last 18 months. How have you found it? So I'm sure lots of people listening will be in a similar boat where, um, and you know, it might be that the festival is, is one of the, the first opportunities to, to get out and, and, and do something like this. I don't know about anyone listening, but I have wondered how on earth we used to cope before. I remember I used to have things on every evening and, and lunches and and now... I haven't actually, I know we've done more, but I haven't actually done that much compared to what we're used to. And I just feel so busy. I mean, I guess for us, um, we've got a two-year-old son and the, the priority for us has been seeing family. I mean, it would have been anyway, but even more so with, with a little one. And that's all we've done, really. We've seen friends a bit. I guess you've been to the football a bit, haven't you? I've been to a football match. I've been to a gig. Um, but your gig levels are nowhere near what they were pre-lockdown, are they? Well, I was about to say, you, you mentioned ob obviously that we have we had a baby shortly before lockdown. And, and actually, I think in some ways, having a baby is the perfect preparation for lockdown <laughs> because we were kind of locked down a bit. Um, you know, I, I like to go to gigs and, and things like that, but having a baby does severely limit that. So I, I suppose um, it, it was a bit of a, a lockdown of sorts. Yeah, but it's funny, isn't it? We're... I feel so out of the habit of booking things and having plans. Like, I, I'm i not so into gigs and football, um, but I really love uh, going to the theatre and I really love going to comedy. And I haven't done that and I haven't felt this sort of rush to go back to it. It's very much been, well, let's juggle work with seeing family and that's felt tough enough. Yeah, um, and it, as I said, I'm sure lots of people... Uh, are in a similar boat um, and you know if you've got any thoughts on that let us know uh, on, on the community uh, it, it is a really interesting topic and I think I agree with Vanessa that it sometimes actually feels a bit stressful uh, you know we got so used to and obviously I wouldn't have said I, I enjoyed lockdown and, and not being allowed to do anything but there was a certain serenity about it I think where you, you, you knew exactly what your week was going to look like every week and you didn't really need to think at all about well, about organising your time, or at least in a social sense. We, we had some good times, didn't we? We had some great times. Friday night pizza night was a highlight, wasn't it? Uh, Friday, yeah, well, it was Wednesday night pizza night. Oh, was it? Um, Gosh, I've forgotten already. Well, because we, we did the... Lots of you would have taken part in, in, in our quizzes. We, we did the quiz on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night... Um, the night after the quiz was always pizza, pizza night, night. Um, where we, we made pizzas. Um, oh, and Thursday, I tried to instill circuit night where we did um, some some circuits together and some boxing. But Josh 
didn't uphold that quite as much as uh, as pizza night actually. I think you were pretty keen on pizza night as well. <laughs> I, I, I quite enjoyed our circuits. Um, but, uh, it was always a battle and you'd always be like, only for 20 minutes, Vanessa, and what's the point of that? Well, I think you're, you're hopefully listeners, you're not offended by Vanessa uh, describing your 20 minute workouts as pointless. <laughs> uh, apologies to anyone that we've offended there. Uh, that is not my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, we, I mean, we, we did think, but it's, it's, it's just a lot more straightforward, isn't it? Doing things within the comfort of your own home involving the same person or people <laughs> every time. Um, where, whereas now, you know, the, the moving parts of, of various social events, the logistics of, um, you know, arranging it around, around our son and, and work, it's, um, I'm feeling pretty stressed. Uh, so. But it's been so lovely to, to see so many people that we've missed and you can't, uh, No, no, of course. And it, and it is, as I said earlier, obviously I'm not advocating, uh, a lockdown approach I don't want to go back to that but um, I think I think there are um, yeah there, there, there's been a few stresses involved in, in the last few weeks I think definitely um, yeah. and I must admit I was ever so worried well I wasn't that worried but I was a bit worried about how our little boy Ezra would cope with seeing all these people that he hadn't seen for so long but he's been amazing, hasn't he? Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I suppose he was so young when when lockdown happened. He didn't really, well, obviously he didn't understand what was happening, but also he didn't he didn't really know anything anything different. So he's he's coped remarkably well, I think. Yeah, and what's been lovely is that he he seems to know who all his family. Well, he does know who all his family are, and he he's when he saw them after not seeing them after the second lockdown. He was so excited. He does this little happy tap dance when he sees people and he does it, doesn't he, when he sees yeah, his grandparents and great-grandparents. It's very nice. And, uh, and I should say as well, anyone interested in a, a podcast about our son, <laughs> uh, josh at secretlondonruns.com <laughs> is the email address to contact. But I, I think I'll, I'll move Vanessa on from gushing about, about Ezra. <laughs> How gorgeous our little boy is. <laughs> um, and and I, I'd like to point everyone um, in the direction of Am I okay to talk about the playlist? Yes. Um, so part of the, uh, obviously you'll be listening to us, uh, perhaps on your, your phone, your laptop, whatever. Um, if you're looking for more things to listen to, to um, maybe, maybe while you're running. Uh, well, there's a virtual relay taking part. So everyone is um, taking part in the virtual festival, is taking the baton for an hour. Um, and I'm hoping they might listen to us then. But if they run out of this fabulous content, then they can, so you, you can overspill onto Josh's amazing playlist. Yeah, so um, did I call it a podcast earlier? I can't remember, but um, I created a playlist of, of songs um, that, that are hopefully quite good for running uh, for you to listen to. It's called, well, I suppose it's called the Secret London Runs Festival playlist. Um, I think Vanessa will be posting it on, on Facebook and... Um, yeah. Uh, and maybe emailing it as well. Yeah, and Josh has got some special instructions on how you listen to it. You must not shuffle. Well, no. So um, basically, I, I've, I've designed the playlist. There's nothing more annoying, is there, when you're running, you're listening to music, the song stops, there's, there's a pause, the new song takes a while to get going. So I've, I've tried to um, create the, the playlist as a, as a kind of mix, so the songs flow into each other and they're, they're, there are no gaps. But to ensure that happens... Please don't shuffle. Well, you can shuffle if you want, but 
for the best results, don't shuffle, listen to it in the order, um, the, the original order. And if you go onto your Spotify settings, you can turn on something called crossfade, which kind of fades the songs in and out of each other. So if you, on, on your phone or whatever you're using, if you just hit the settings, scroll down until it gets the crossfade and then turn it up all the way. And um, that will create a kind of continuous mix if you're into that sort of thing. So, And if you like Josh's playlist, then please do let him know because he will smother you with all the podcasts you could possibly ever want. I don't know if I've ever given them any praise, but I still get at least one new one every couple of months. <laughs> yeah, um, so to, to provide a bit of background, when I first met Vanessa, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, Vanessa obviously uh, loves running. We were talking about what, what she listened to when she was running. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I quite like music and I was, I was interested. I was horrified to learn that Vanessa <laughs> just had the same playlist that she listened to on every single run that she went on. I think it was, um, was it a combination of R.E.M. and Stone Roses? <laughs> and I think it only had about 10 songs on it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with R.E.M. or, or the Stone Roses, two, two fine bands, but I just couldn't fathom how you were listening to the same playlist. Vanessa <laughs> goes running a lot. So I, I made it my mission to, um, well, to provide Vanessa with enough audio to, to keep her going and, you know, keep her legs <laughs> pumping. So I, I, I make Vanessa a playlist every every couple of months. Um, well, you know, for, for a really long time, I didn't listen to any music at all when I was running. I don't think I had, I don't think I even owned headphones when I first started running. And it's, it's interesting for me, I probably wouldn't run much at all if I couldn't listen to music or podcasts that is what often motivates me to get out there um and I, I do listen to more podcasts than music I think um because I, I must I must relaxing. admit now I would struggle but I trained for my first marathon without any music and I and I was going out on long like three four hour training runs on Sundays and I didn't listen to any music it was just me and my thoughts. Well, I was about to say it's a long time to be alone with your thoughts. That's, <laughs> that's uh, not a, not an enticing prospect for me. My my, my um I use kind of wireless headphones, um, and the battery ran out the other day with about ten minutes of my run left, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was a window into the world of people who um, who listen to, to uh, who run without music, and I well, I was bored. Um, again, do let us know if you're if, if you're uh, like Vanessa used to be, and you go out for hours on end with with no musical podcasts. But... I used I used to really like it, and I look back at that time as a time when I was, you know, mentally very strong. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed there. I, I, I'm sure you were. I, um, well, I didn't know you at the time. You, you were. Well, I used uh, to. I used to. There were, you know, if something's bothering you, and you don't have time to think about it. And running was that time for me. And I think if you have music or a podcast, then you don't... Running can still be therapeutic, but it doesn't serve that purpose. And if there was there was something that, you know, at work that I'd been not knowing what to do about or in my personal life, I'd go for a run. They'd be like, right, you're going to be out running for the next two hours or whatever. And when you get back, you're going to have reached a resolution on that and you won't worry about that again you won't think about that again and that's what I used to do and I and I did I'd, I'd come back and I'd be like right you know and I'd you know if it was work I'd like send an email like this is what we're going to do and and every time it was a, a good decision and 
and and with with other things as well then I just I stopped worrying you know sometimes you feel like you've got all these things to juggle in your head but actually you just need to come to a conclusion about some of them. That's what my running without music was for. And then your annoying boyfriend started smothering you with 20 track playlists. <laughs> and my head's never been so muddled. <laughs> and and Vanessa has, uh, has never said, I, I'm not, I'm not complaining now, but you've, I don't think you've ever said thank you for any of them. I send them to Vanessa. <laughs> they on, uh, keep on coming. They keep coming. <laughs> and Vanessa, you know, I'm not saying I'm expecting a, a message in response saying, thank you. Can't wait to listen to it. But there's never anything. <laughs> And uh, maybe three or four times I've, I've got a message pop up on WhatsApp from Vanessa saying, oh, I like this song. But that, maybe three three times in the seven well, years, I Well, think. do you know what? All the playlists, they're always the same, aren't they? What do you mean? They've always got the same songs on them. There are some, there are some songs that I kind of subconsciously put onto a lot of playlists because I just really like them. And every time I'm making a playlist, I think... Oh, that, this song would improve the playlist. And then I think, gosh, am I going mad? Or no, is this I'm, I'm the same? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, Josh got really cross when I'm after I came back from seeing Six the Musical for the first time, because I don't think I listened to anything else for a good month or something when I was out running. So I got this little message on WhatsApp from Josh um, saying. Um, saying, I've made you a new, or, or Joshua Tate's sharing a new playlist with you. Um, and the and the name of the playlist was even better yeah. than Six the Musical. Better than Six the Musical. I just felt like I needed to work a bit harder to get, <laughs> to get Vanessa's attention uh, with, with the playlist. Um, so, but, um, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, Six the Musical was a... A, a problem uh, for, for my playlist <laughs> engagement um, that I don't I, I fear that we haven't quite resolved uh, but luckily I now have an audience to to share my playlist with, so I hope you enjoy it uh, we, yeah and, if, and if you think I'm a cow and you want this kind of uh, playlist making attention then he is all yours <laughs> yeah I mean look it, it's, it's music that I enjoy listening to so it might not be for everyone but uh, you know I, I hope that it can um, enhance some of your runs there's a bit of uh there's some good songs on there. There's a bit of New Order. Uh, I think there's a Hot Chip song. You know, it's that. That's what's the highlight of the of the playlist, Joshua? The uh, festival playlist. The high. I don't. I mean, I kind of. Sometimes it's quite nice when it's a surprise. Like you know, when you're. Well, I don't really go to nightclubs, but if you're in a nightclub or if you're seeing a band play live and you don't know what's coming next, and then the song comes on, and you. You know, it's it's a really good feeling. So I don't really want to. Um, spoil it. Okay. I'd rather people told me their highlight. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, we've we've waffled on for ages about the the, the playlist. Um, so hope you enjoy it. Um, any any thoughts, or if you've got your own kind of music that you find particularly uh, particularly helpful in your running, do or share. if you'd prefer silence. Or Sixth and Musical than Josh's playlist. Also, let us know. And in fact, I'd like to give a shout out just before we finish talking about um, music uh, while you're running. To, um, to is Henriette attending the? She, the she is attending the virtual festival so hope, from Denmark. Hopefully, Henriette is is listening. But if not, um, someone called Henriette uh, from Denmark, who's who's done lots of our events in lockdown. Um, we were having this discussion on the on the group, I think, about music that you like to listen to, and she recommended a few songs. And one of them was 
um, a song called Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. And <laughs> I put that song on my next running playlist. And when it came on, it was as though someone had put rockets in my shoes. It is <laughs> an incredible song for pumping you up and uh, getting you moving. It's not on my playlist because it didn't really fit with the vibe. But thank you, Henriette, and, and um, just a, a recommendation for that song. If you're, you know, if you're trying to get a particular time and you're flagging a bit, Pop that song on and it will give What's you... What's it called again? The song, it's uh, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, who are a kind of um, American hip-hop collective. Uh, but they, they kind of fuse hip-hop with, with like guitars and they're quite heavy. It, it, it's, again, not maybe not music for everyone, but if you're into that sort of thing, they're, they're pretty good. Mm. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much all we've got in the tank about, uh, about playlists. Well, I, I speak for yourself. I could talk all day about my <laughs> playlist, but I, I do think we need to. We uh, need to get onto some history. Yeah. So on with the history, and what we'll be doing now is, or what mostly Vanessa will be doing actually, <laughs> is uh, is talking through some of the amazing places that we'll be visiting during the festival on the on the various tours that we're that we're running. So we'll go through some of the most interesting streets. Um, and places uh, with with some really fascinating stories. So I think, Vanessa, we'll start with Magpie Alley. Yeah. Um, So we're going to be going here on the It's a Sin tour on the Saturday morning of the festival. It's one of my favourite places in London. So it's just off of Bouverie Street, um, which is on Fleet Street, um, which is just off of Fleet Street, and first of all you go up this little alleyway and it's got this amazing mural on the wall that tells you all about the publishing and printing history of Fleet Street which is much cooler than it sounds Josh don't look so bored um but then you go through it and you look down into the basement of the building there and there are these old remains of um a 17th century theatre called the Whitefriars Theatre. Um, and, yeah, so it, they're sort of, you know, 400 years old, and they're just sat there in a basement, and you can see the glass of them. And this wasn't just any theatre. This was a theatre which was known for its homoerotic plays. One of its, uh, one of its most famous plays was called Ram Alley. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. <laughs> I thought you might want to respond to some of this at some point, Josh. <laughs> I, I, but I, not at Ram Alley. <laughs> I don't have a response to Ram Alley. And I, if, if I'm honest, I don't really understand what that means. So, <laughs> sorry, everyone. I'm, I, I'm out. <laughs> um, so, um, so in the theatres anyway, you would always find men dressed up as women, boys playing the parts of... Um, of of young girls um, and in the theatre there was an element of freedom about the objects of one's lusts um, and, and lots of men would come to the theatre here to see their favourite boy dressed up as a woman um, and there's nothing there's nothing close to a queer community at this time or a gay community but there definitely have been a group of men who probably knew each other by sight and were aware of each other's tastes. 
Um, and theatres became a pickup place for queer men. Um, and on the doorsteps of the Whitefriars Theatre, so just here on Magpie Alley, right next to this, where now this lovely mural about the publishing industry stands, there were two brothels called Sodom and Little Sodom. Charming. <laughs> um, so... And can you tell me, Vanessa, if, if there's a reason that, that the theatre was located uh, where it was? So, so near, I mean, very central, near Fleet Yeah, Street. it was, it was, so, so when, at the festival, I know that this is part of lots of the tours that we're given. So there's the old Roman wall that goes around the city of London, right? So just for those of you who don't know about it, so there was this, this wall that's um, it's called the Square Mile now, and it's the current financial district, um, and that goes round um, round the edge of the city of London. Um, and for hundreds and hundreds of years, um, that's where all of London was within this really small um, this really small part of where where London is now. And what you have is everything crammed into that city and then around the walls you have all the things that are more on the fringe of society um and that's you know the actors were on the fringe of society so um the Whitefriars Theatre there was actually a liberty of Whitefriars which means that they're not subject to the to the laws inside the city of London um so so here, outside, out, just outside the city hall, so close enough that anyone can go to it, but um, but but outside outside of the rules, so they couldn't be condemned in the same way as people inside. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. That that makes sense. Uh, so that um, is a stop visited on the the It's a Sin yeah. tour. Um, so where did you want to? Where shall there? we go next? Oh, let's go. Let's go just a little bit up Fleet Street, up Ludgate Hill and outside St Paul's Cathedral. Josh, have you ever wondered why there's a statue of Queen Anne outside St Paul's Cathedral? Many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> just as a as context here, Josh worked right outside St Paul's Cathedral for three years before he... Uh, sacked in his career in the city to become a teacher i certainly did yeah uh but i yeah i mean speaking honestly i i, I can't tell you that i've i've obsessed over did you know yeah. it was queen anne <laughs> <laughs> well, i think anyone who's listened to the uh the the podcasts that we've done in the past will know that my knowledge of um english queens is first class <laughs> so no, I mean it, it, that. That, to be honest, was something not on not on my radar. But go on, tell us why. So why 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 is Queen Anne outside St Paul's? Oh well, it's because um, St Paul's was rebuilt after the Great Fire of London during her reign. So she came to the throne in seventeen o two, and 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 that's when um, when New St Paul's was completed. Um, and why we're visiting it on today's or on the on the gin tour it's on our gin for breakfast 5k tour focusing on the 18th century gin craze and what what time is gin for breakfast oh it's at 10 30 so quite reasonable really 
quite reading. Well, so what what time will will you be forcing people to drink gin? Eleven <laughs> thirty. Uh, oh, well, do you know what? Actually, at a festival is one of those times where it is totally socially acceptable to drink alcohol at any time. Of yeah, day. exactly. So, so it's so fine. As it is a festival, that is completely. Mm. Okay. Ah, yeah. And do you know who would have been really at home at a festival? Um, me? <laughs> Queen Anne. Yeah, Queen yeah. Anne. Um, so she loved a drink, loved a brandy. Um, so people called her Brandy Nan um, because she, she, she loved boozing so much. And once this statue outside St Paul's Cathedral was defaced with the limes, Brandy Nan, Brandy Nan, left in the lurch, her face to the gin shop, her back to the church. Um, it's not very edifying, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Queen Anne loved a drink. Um, and for many years, French brandy had been not just her favourite drink, but also the favourite drink of the gentry. But war with France was raging, there was a blockade on French imports. Um, gin had sort of trickled in as a substitute. Um, but this was a really high quality gin, adhering to some strict standards that were set by the Worshipful Company of Distillers. Um, ale was much cheaper. That was what the, the masses were drinking. But Anne, she wanted more booze in England. And so she cancelled the charter with the Worshipful Company of Distillers meaning that instead of having to be part of this exclusive association be able to be able to make gin, anybody could make it, and they did. Um, and the result of this decision from Anne was absolute carnage. By 1730, there were 7,000 gin shops in London. Every fourth house was a gin shop. <laughs> gin was everywhere. And for the first time, gin was cheaper than ale. Londoners drank it by the gallon. Um, those living in the, in the city slums became degenerate alcoholics. And this, this gin craze that it's described in the 18th century, um, it's like the, uh, the crack epidemics in the US in the 1980s, how, how, how bad it was socially and how, um, how widespread it was. Scenes of mass gin-fueled public nudity were part of everyday life. Um, so it's, re it's a really sad story. Um, but, Anne, but Queen Anne is linked with it. And I love that that statue, you know, that statue, her back is to the church and she is facing where all the gin shops were. Um, the parish of St. Giles up near, near Oxford Street, so up at the top of Fleet Street, was one of the centres of the gin craze. So it's saying there she is facing, facing all the carnage that she created. Now, I'm, I'm going to slightly play devil's advocate um, for a second. It was there, it, it sounds like she was a bit of a figure of fun, her, <laughs> her love of, um, of, of drinking, the graffiti, for example. But I, I just wanted to ask, was there anything wrong with her relationship to alcohol? You know, was she turning up hungover to public events or was she well, making... Well, you've seen The Favourite, haven't you? Uh, well... Which, you know... Is all a hundred percent true, of course. Yeah, well, I, that, that's a good point. Yeah, um, but yes, I, I don't think she was very well. You know, obviously, lots of that was uh, potentially a little fabricated. But she was, I think, I think her drinking, had, I don't think it had done wonders for her health. And, and do you, but do you think that 
she was viewed differently in that respect because she was a woman. Do you think if it had been a king, King Andrew, for example, who had exactly the same relationship with alcohol, do you think that would have been more tolerated? It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, the 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 king I feel like I know the most about after this year is certainly Henry VIII. <laughs> um, and I think he had a pretty uh, reliant relationship with alcohol, didn't he? He was he, he liked to party. He he struggled with his weight towards the end. And I think he was probably drinking quite a bit. But we don't really think of him as being particularly no, I mean, that's my point. It's almost seen as part of his kingly duties, I think, to some extent. Yeah. Um, having all these parties and drinking lots. And the court of Charles II was like party land. And we don't say, you know, we don't characterise him by his drinking, do we? No, no. well, I certainly don't. Um, no, well, it's, it's just an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to think about. And uh, on, on that note, shall we uh, wander on down to our next stop? Okay, so we're now going to hop a few miles away to Old Pancras Churchyard. It's one of my favourite places in London. Are you familiar with it, Josh? Well, I was about to ask where it is. I presume near St Pancras. Yeah, it's just... Um, if you come out of the Euston side of St Pancras Station and take a right, then it's up there. You must have been there because... We've been there together when I've started the ghost tour. Okay. Yeah, may, maybe I have. Um, so uh, so this is the start of the ghost, the Run For Your Life ghost tour that I'm going to be giving on the Friday of the Secret London Runs Festival. And a few years ago, we gave this quite a bit. Um, behind the scenes, um, my favourite job was always being the ghost. Um, so So... An amazing guide called Alex used to used to work with me at Secret London Runs. She had to go back to America and we used to take it in turns to lead it and ghost. But by the end, I just absolutely loved dressing up in all the costumes and jumping out at people. So I used to do that. Sometimes I wondered what had happened to life. But um, on the whole, I, as I was sort of waiting in a bush in a pig mask, um, but Josh Sometimes if Alex wasn't around, I had to lead the tour and Josh was the ghost and you had a different relationship with being the ghost, didn't you? One of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> um, if you were on, I suppose you wouldn't know if you were on the, the, the tour where I was the ghost because I dressed up. But, uh, but I, you know, apologies if you were on that, that tour. You know, I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, no, I, I did not did not enjoy that at all. I found it very stressful. Um, just, I just think it was, I found it, the adrenaline was pumping and it was sort of a bit of a mental challenge to see how many different scares you could get in and then a physical challenge to sprint to all the places in time and then that feeling when you pop up and someone squeals, it's just so much fun. Maybe maybe you're just a bit scarier than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely scarier than you. <laughs> Evidently, we, uh, Vanessa and I respond very differently to challenge. <laughs> um, so but, you have been there. Yeah. Um, well, I think I've blocked it out of my, my memory. <laughs> so um, St Pancras Old Church is one of the oldest churches in England. Um, and there's a huge, well, quite a big cemetery that goes around it. And that's been a burial ground since 314 AD. 
For various reasons, this is said to be one of the most haunted places in London. Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) No, it's surprising how many people look this after the ghost tour. So they do, and they tell us about their experiences and stuff. Um, But... Do you believe in ghosts? I don't think that's a fair question when I lead a ghost tour of London. Um, so, so there are a number of reasons that this is, you know, linked with the the supernatural. One of them is that, and bear with me on this, the grave of Mary Wollstonecraft, the famous social reformer and author, is here in the in the graveyard. Um, and in eighteen fourteen, Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. Mary Wollstonecraft's daughter planned her elopement with Percy Shelley by the grave of by the grave of Mary Wollstonecraft. So there's that little link there. Um, in the 1850s, seven thousand graves in this churchyard and the nearby St Giles in the Field were unceremoniously removed and put deep underground in a burial pit underneath the newly constructed Midland Railway. Um, So that's 7,000 souls that had been disturbed. And then there's also the really horrific practice of grave robbing um, and body snatchers. Um, And this graveyard, uh, Old Pancras Churchyard, was apparently a gold mine for the 19th century body snatchers. Um, So this was quite a quite an odd time. So universities um, and teaching hospitals weren't allowed, were only allowed a very small number of human cadavers to practice on. So they didn't know enough about anatomy because they didn't have chance to learn and to practice. So um, they paid body snatchers to go and find freshly buried corpses and bring them to them. And they paid really well. Um, So there was a body snatcher called Joseph Naples and he recorded in his diary in 1810 that he got five large and one small from this graveyard, from from Old Pancras Churchyard. And by that he means five adults and one infant. Um, And apparently you could get about £14 um, on a good day for a, a body paid for by the by the surgeons um, and the doctors. Um, and that was probably like three months of comfortable living. So you could do very well. So it was a really odd thing. You know, the surgeons, some of the most um, respected people in in the city were hooking up with these people that were willing to go and go and dig up graves. And sometimes the body snatchers would go to jail and the the surgeons would pay for the the family whilst the whilst the whilst their breadwinner was in in um in jail um because there was such a strong relationship between them they both relied on each other so much um and because of this practice and because it was such a um such a gosh I don't want to use the word hotbed but it was such a hotbed for body snatching that that again, that's more souls that have been disturbed from their original resting place. And so, um, and so, yeah, one of the most haunted places in London. And then you have this beautiful 
and haunting tree um, that's called the Thomas Hardy tree. Um, and this is because in, I think it was 1860, um, Thomas Hardy, um, who was a, obviously a famous author, before he became a famous author, his job was to go around, it was to, again, move. He was um, employed by the churchyard to exhume bodies to make room for new railways. And he arranged them all around one tree. And it's beautiful. It's called the Hardy Tree. Um, so again, more more disturbed souls. So this and the nearby St Pancras Hotel are said to be some of the most haunted places in London. Wow. Well, there's, there's definitely a lot of history in that little churchyard. It's not a big, uh, not a particularly big place, is it? No. Um, and there's loads, there's, I've, I'm just scratching the surface here, there's loads more, so it's definitely worth visiting. And if anyone is in London and wants showing around, get in touch. Fantastic. Uh, so I think that concludes our kind of a whistle-stop tour of, of some of the sites of the festival. Um, but I really hope you've enjoyed finding out about some of those places. And uh, obviously it goes without saying that... Um, you know, if you found it interesting, that's that's the kind of thing that we, if you've not been on one of our tours, that's the kind of thing we cover um, on our running tours of London. Yeah, um, and we'd love to see you soon. And thank you so much for being part of the festival and for listening today. Yeah, enjoy your festival, guys. Remember, it's okay to drink at any time of day. It's <laughs> um, and it's also okay to run in silence. Well... That's debated. <laughs> On that note, thanks so much for listening and speak to you soon. Thanks, everyone.